Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen Podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacy of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself from our own archives. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions. So this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Ray Harryhausen podcast. This episode is going to be a little different, we've got something very special lined up. My name is Connor Heaney and I'm the collections manager with the foundation. I'm joined once more by John Walsh and today we're going to discuss our experiences and interviews at the Starburst Film Festival which took place on the 27th of August 2016. How are you John? Good, thanks, Connor. I'm um, I'm kind of you know film festival frenzy because we've done two back to back, haven't we? Yes, it's been a, a very busy end of summer experience, and it's been incredibly worthwhile as well. We've caught up with old friends and new friends, and spoken to lots of Ray Harryhausen fans, and we were able to record interviews with lots of these people across both film festivals that we attended. Starting out with uh, the Starburst Film Festival, for those of you that don't know, Starburst is a a British magazine which uh, describes itself as the longest-running magazine for cult entertainment in the whole world. It's been going since the mid-1970s, and I believe it's a magazine that you have some very strong emotional ties to John. Yes I do. I quite cheekily used to save my dinner money so I could buy Starburst magazine. I remember the list price has been quite expensive. It was a pound or two when comics might be 10 or 20 pence. So it had a glossy outer but the inside was like a newspaper print um, with lots of black and white photos from the films of the day. So if it was the late 70s it would be Star Wars, Superman, Battlestar Galactica, lots of Doctor Who of course because it's a British sci-fi mag. But it would be the, the colour covers that would attract. And for all those fans who collect classic magazines, they'll know about Starburst jumping out at them from the newsstands. So I still have the Starburst that I um, swapped my dinner money for. So they, they, they're here somewhere. And I know Ray kept copies of Starburst magazines because, of course, his films featured in them frequently. Yes, Ray was a, another fan of Starburst magazine. And within his collection, very well organised, are a lot of the original classic editions of Starburst magazines, multiple copies of editions that featured his films, but also just in general, he, he had a lot of copies of the, the general run of the magazine, and they're, they're kept uh, within the collection in perfect condition. The magazine collection is a very important part of the Ray Harryhausen archive, not only for historical purposes or because it's interesting to look at these old magazines, but they contain unique interviews and articles on Ray's films as they were released or soon after they were released. And they provide a very interesting perspective, these these classic interviews. The way that Ray would discuss his films in public changed over the years, so it's very interesting to see how he would discuss his films in the late 1970s or the early 1980s, contrasting with the commentary footage which you recorded with Ray just a few short years ago. So having the magazine archive and being able to flip through the old issues of Starburst which Ray collected himself, it really gives you a feel for 
the magazine's roots. It's a magazine rooted in genre entertainment and the Starburst Film Festival, the, the inaugural film festival, which took place last month, was a real reflection of the magazine's classic roots because it had something for everybody, really. It was a, it was a really action-packed weekend, packed with science fiction, fantasy and everything in between. For fans of Ray Harryhausen, the Saturday was, was a particularly special event. Beginning with a screening of The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, we then treated, John and myself, the, the audience to a very special screening of John's documentary, Ray Harryhausen, Movement into Life. Now, John, that's something, a 15-minute documentary, which you can't really see unless you come to one of the Foundation events. Yes, that's right. I mean, I made it when I was a student at the London Film School, shot on 16mm film, and now scanned in high definition, and it's donated to the Foundation, and we show it at these special talks and screenings. And, and for this particular first Starburst Festival, terrific that Starburst felt they wanted the Ray Harryhausen presence, but important from our point of view that there's going to be lots of new product there as well. We wanted to make sure that ours was as well attended as everyone else's. So we are trying to, as it were, present and show something new. And I think your talk, Connor, wasn't it? Lost Treasures really um, really hit the nail on the head because I gave a talk, showed my short film. By the time you'd finished your talk, the auditorium was absolutely full. So you'd, um, you'd wow the crowd with your Lost Treasures. What, what were the highlights of your talk, do you think? Well, this was a special talk which was created for the Starburst Festival. And what I really wanted to explore was some of the things that people might not know about Ray. For every film that Ray made, there were five or ten projects which didn't, for one reason or another, get underway. And I wanted to explore some of the lost treasures from the archive for projects and films that Ray had begun and had created key drawings, storyboards, test footage, models and so forth on many occasions from his very early days in the 1930s all the way through to the mooted sequel to Clash of the Titans, which was going to be called Force of the Trojans in the mid-1980s. In Ray's book, An Animated Life, he lists 53 projects, which he was, wasn't able to film for one reason or another, and obviously we couldn't talk about every single one of those. So I selected five notable projects from throughout Ray's career. I think most interesting of all of these was Ray's vision for the H.G. Wells classic, War of the Worlds, which he worked on, which is a real labour of love for him throughout the 1940s and there is a vast amount of material for Ray's vision of the film. We've got lots of fantastic key drawings and storyboards and most importantly test footage which he filmed to show to producers of a Martian escaping from a tripod and I think it's this kind of material that, that draws people back to Ray Harryhausen because there's the 16 films which they've seen over and over again but it's so tantalising to think that there could have been more and that there's treasures hidden within our archive which hints at almost like a wider cinematic universe for Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's um, hopefully once this podcast goes out, you'll pop a few images online and we can, we can get a sense of, uh, of what people missed. So shame on people if they didn't um, trudge up to uh, Manchester for the bank holiday weekend. It was packed. <laughs> it was a busy weekend anyway, because Manchester is always a busy place. Um, but we were, we were thrilled by the response and... Uh, I think we're always anxious before we do a talk. We think, you know, we're interested, but is anyone else going to come out, you know, on their weekend, bank holiday weekend when the sun is shining? And uh, I was thrilled. I was delighted with the response. And uh, and the credit, all credit to you, Connor, because they came to see your talk. But um, we talked to some interesting people, didn't we? Who who else was at the festival that um, 
we talk to. Well, also at the festival, of particular interest to Ray Harryhausen fans, were two of the actresses that starred in his classic films. So we had Martin Beswick from One Million Years BC and Caroline Monroe from The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. So of course Caroline was present during the screening of The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and after that film we surprised the audience by reuniting Caroline with two of her co-stars from that movie. We had The Centaur, which of course is Caroline's character Mariana's nemesis in the film, but we also had the miniature model which recreated a replica of Caroline, the Mariana character, the doll, which we have some fantastic photos of. We've got Caroline holding the miniature version of herself. More than 40 years on, that film's coming up for its 45th anniversary, and both of them still look fantastic, of course, Caroline and the miniature version of herself. Well, that's fabulous. Now we've got some um, interview that we, we filmed with Caroline and Martine, so we'll, we'll hear both ladies together now. Primitive man and monstrous beasts fought each other to inherit the earth. So, Martine, the Starburst Film Festival. Tell me, did you have a great time? I had a lovely time. I, it was really, it was really interesting to see all of um, Ray's stuff that you brought. I mean, that was incredible. And your film, I loved your film. That was incredible. I'm looking about twelve years old, and still do, <laughs> annoyingly. <laughs> No, it was great. It was really, really interesting. And, um, yeah, good good festival. And it was surprising how many of Ray's films were developed that never got made. He was a busy man, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. But also, I mean, he only did how many, 12 films? 16. 16. That's incredible, given his, the length of time he's been with us. He was with us. Um, I was really surprised, but I I adored him anyway. So it was really nice to see, you know, to to hear and see all of that stuff that he had done. And of course, you had a, a very special moment with Ray in recent years, where you mm. came to his house and did a special recording. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, surprise, surprise, and we and it was really lovely to be with him and to talk about Million because it did remind me of when. He had to stand there and show us where, you know, he had to give us the sign of where we had to stab the, whatever it was, I can't remember, the dinosaur, the, (laughs) whatever, one of his, one of his creatures. And there were moments when he's traveling in this flatbed truck and we're all kind of running behind, you know, with spears and with our little bits on. And there were moments when we just looked at each other and started to laugh. And it was, and they had to stop filming because it was just hilarious. I mean, just these idiots, you know, all running around with these little bits of fur. And not only that, on top of which, we'd already been in the water, so we were all wet and drippy and everything hanging. And there we are, spearing. It was just hilarious. But, God, he was so good. And he was, you know, it was he was part of the camp. There were, like, several camps. And it was Michael Carreras and his wife, and there was... Ray and Diana. I mean, it was just, it was brilliant, brilliant to to be with him. That's interesting, because that's a Hammer film, and it's also a Harryhausen film. Yeah. And you're also a Bond girl, so there are very few actresses who kind of fall into that. It's a very exclusive club, isn't it? People that have worked on Hammer and Harryhausen and Bond. Well, there are several of us who have done Hammer and Bond, but definitely not Harryhausen. So, except, you know, Caroline, and of course, and I. You're in very good company. Yeah, excellent company, yes. 
So Caroline, Starburst, very exciting. You've got a long history with the Starburst magazine, of course, because yourself and Martine have been in Starburst magazine a lot. So are you excited to be at the Starburst Festival? It was, we had a wonderful time. It was great. And, and meeting all the new young filmmakers, I always like that because that's the new generation and that's what we're going to be watching. But it was also lovely to be, or it is lovely to be a part of the history because I don't know how long Starburst has been going, but for a very long time. And Deskin was there, which was amazing to see him because he was the that was his baby I think he was the publisher or the main publisher then so to see him again we had great fun with him and of course you two boys were there for the foundation for Ray and Diana's foundation with as Martine said that amazing film that you shot I would have said 11 and a half you were then I swear to god but hey um but you were there and Connor was there and we got a wonderful example of raised creatures so um that was amazing must say my little creature i mean we're both getting on we're kind of 40 years on from when well she was a baby mariana the creature but um i think she's faring quite well actually all things being considered and the impressive centaur and of course mariana centaur. were a part of the q a after the very special screen yes they were Voyage. yeah they were very and the audience were wowed weren't they when this when i think they liked the it miniature you and the centaur came into the room you could yeah. you could hear a pin drop i tell you what the centaur looks amazing uh, i mean he really does doesn't he very dear david boy very very impressive mm. really so it was hard to to think about the centaur and seeing the size that he is and then trying to remember how i had to envisage Ray's creature being about 20, 30 foot high. So the two, it was, it was a, a bit of a memory thing for me, going along memory lane, seeing, seeing the centaur, and then imagining what I had to imagine, which was something so special. Um, and you both mentioned David Bowie, because we're, we're in a joint interview here with Martine Beswick. Mm. So um, what's the David Bowie reference? It was, well, David Bowie, I think, which had he done Lad Insane, was it that, at the time? And, and it was the haircut. It was the whole hair cut, the colour, everything was the style. So Ray was ahead of his time. He was so trendy. You followed me instead of Kura. Then he has won the race. Well, the race, perhaps. And the prize? Not the prize. A crown of untold riches. I regret nothing. That was fabulous. It's great to hear uh, Martine and Caroline being so enthusiastic about Ray and his work. It's wonderful to hear their memories of Ray Harryhausen. And it's also just fantastic to see them both together because they're two actresses, legendary actresses, that have had parallel careers in some ways. You know, they've both been Bond girls, they've both been in Hammer Horror films, and, of course, they've both been in Ray Harryhausen films. And together, they make a fantastic double act. And I recommend anybody... If you get a chance to see either of these actresses, but particularly both together at uh, future film festivals and other events, to, to make sure you watch them because they're so funny and they have such interesting memories. And to see them talk together, banter together and reminisce on their filming experiences, it's just, it's just a joy to behold. Absolutely. And if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, we promise to give you a couple of exclusive clips from the as-yet-unreleased director's commentary tracks although Ray didn't direct these films, they're called director's commentary tracks, where Ray sat down with uh, Martine for One Million Years BC and with Caroline for The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. So a couple of exclusive 
clips coming up for that. Now, um, Connor, you also met with one of the fans, the uh, Logo Competition winner. Tell me about that. Well, anybody who's followed us on Facebook and Twitter over the summer will know that we had a countdown to a very special competition announcement which came about on the day of what would have been Ray's 96th birthday. And the competition was a logo contest for somebody to design a logo for our centenary celebrations in 2020. The winner of this was a chap named Michael Tharm, and he was good enough to attend the Starburst Film Festival and come and chat to us afterwards. Now, Mike's logo is fantastic. If you look on our Facebook and Twitter sites, you'll see it, as well as our website, rayharryhausen.com. So we were able to chat to Mike about his history as a Ray Harryhausen fan, but also his inspiration behind the fantastic logo, which came top. Amongst designs from around the world, we were inundated with fantastic designs, and Michael's came out on top. So have a listen to what he had to say about his inspiration and the final design that he came up with. So I'm at the Starburst Festival with Michael Tharm, who's our competition winner for Harryhausen 100s. Uh, Michael, good to see you again. It's nice to see you, John. And uh, tell us a bit about how you designed the logo, the winning entry for Harryhausen 100s. Well, when I first initially heard the contest, I wanted to do something where I felt it would reflect Ray's work quite nicely. So I literally had to put my mindset into what would Ray want if he was designing this? So looking at the current logo of the foundation, I thought, right, okay, well, maybe he wants something illustrated. So I started sketching out some quick ideas. And then from there, I then started to take my own perspective onto it and finding some form of shape or form that would reflect quite nicely as a silhouette as well as something that would be quite visual as well. And then going through all the DVDs, all the books, the films, literally taking every single angle of all the creatures that I thought would play out quite nicely and then literally holding frames to get the certain shade of a particular form or uh, looking through an illustration from the books and, and saying, right, okay, well, if he's done it in this particular way, then I should try and mimic this as closely as possible. Uh, and also taking reference from certain aspects, like the, the text was something iconic from One Million Years BC, and also taking those iconic creatures from the various films that, in terms of pop culture, are quite interesting to look at as well. So were you surprised when you became when you were announced as the, as the winner? Oh yeah, yeah, I really was. When I originally started the concept and about halfway through the original drawing, it then dawned on me, hang on, this is a logo. Do they want this much detail in the logo? So I thought, well, I'm halfway through it, I can't stop now. Cracked on with it, sent it in, and uh, just basically biting my nails for the entire time. And then when the announcement came out, and especially with the, the lead-up to that announcement, it was, oh yeah, I was absolutely pleased to send it in. Now, of course, it's not your first time that you've connected with Ray Harryhausen and the Foundation. Mm. Um, tell me a, a brief sort of history of your, your time with Ray. Uh, going back to probably about 2000, what was it, 2002, I think it was, maybe 2003, where I first had interactions with him at the uh, Bradford Museum. Uh, I think it was during one of the screens of Jason and the Argonauts and the first re- uh, release of the animated life book. The second time after that, it was, again, another book signing down in Exeter um, and, again, in Manchester down at the Salford Keys. Um, 
there was a fourth occasion, I can't remember off the top of my head now, uh, but then after that it was the storyboard contest in 2012 with the Don't Panic website. And again, entering my uh, particular um, story idea in, I wanted to keep something that was very much in the way of what Ray would want for his storytelling, so keeping it with creatures that had a dynamic to them but also had a visual appeal not just to children but to adults as well, that it would be that sort of like um, uh, evolution of the world sort of uh, project that he wanted to do when he was younger. Well, excellent. Well, and congratulations on your design. It went down very well here at the Starburst Festival. Yes, And we look you. forward to seeing it associated with Ray for, for many years to come. Oh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading his way. Now, get aboard! I think the thing that most comes through from listening to Michael there is, and he's a young person, you know, compared to me, he's a young person, it's the enthusiasm. You know, this isn't just a series of old films from a filmmaker from the past. I mean, Ray is as contemporary and as relevant as ever. And, and Michael is somebody who's working in that contemporary world. Um, you also spoke to um, the editor of Squiggly Magazine, which is um, quite the place now for animators and people who, who want something to say on a sort of a forum of animation. Uh, Steve Henderson, who's also chair, isn't he, of the Manchester Animation Festival, where we're going to be speaking later in the year. Um, he had lots to say as well, didn't he, Connor? Yes, Steve is uh, incredibly passionate about animation, old and new. Uh, I would recommend that any fans of, of classic and current animation to check out the magazine Squiggly. They've got a fantastic online presence. They also have a podcast of their own which has regular interviews and features which will be of interest to Ray Harryhausen fans everywhere. So it was great to speak to Steve because his entire life in numerous ways revolves around animation as well as running Squiggly he's doing a PhD on animation archiving and he runs the the Manchester Animation Festival so to talk to somebody who's so immersed in animation in their everyday life to hear his thoughts and his memories of Ray Harryhausen was very interesting so let's listen to what Steve had to say now the beautiful princess and the jealous tyrant and you and your mother thrown into the sea and the destruction of Argus it's been the most popular story here for the past 20 years. I myself wrote a poem about it. It's rather, rather moving, as I recall. Hello, I'm here at the Starburst Film Festival, and I'm joined by Steve Henderson from Squiggly Magazine, an online animation magazine. Before we get into your memories of Ray Harryhausen, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Steve? Uh, yeah, well, you've, you've mainly said the main thing there, which is Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. That's S-K-W-I-G-L-Y. It's... Uh, not the best spelt online animation magazine in the world, but uh, we like it. We do news reviews, interviews, uh, podcasts as well. Um, so uh, I was absolutely delighted when uh, Ray Harryhausen podcast came out, and, uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on it. Uh, I also um, direct the Manchester Animation Festival, which is happening in November. Um, and I'm finishing, or I should be finishing right now, my PhD um, in uh, animation uh, archiving. Wonderful. So, as somebody who's immersed in animation, can you just tell us a bit about your earliest memories of Ray Harryhausen and his works? I think it, I think it all comes down to the work, doesn't it? Uh, earliest memories with uh, with the work is uh, you're at an age where you don't really understand that you're watching a Ray Harryhausen film, um, but you understand that uh, how affecting they can be. And uh, I seem to remember. People always describe the Doctor Who uh, films as, oh, you hide behind the sofa and, and all that kind of stuff. And I never hid behind the sofa in my life, apart from one Christmas when Clash of the Titans was on and Medusa turned up. And I actually thought 
that I was going to be turned into stone watching <laughs> watching Clash of the Titans. Um, and I, I, I still remember the thrill of watching that now. And then if I, if I cast my memory back even further, I can, I can picture the, the tentacles wrapping around the Golden Gate Bridge and I can see the... Um, you know, the many various creatures from uh, one million years BC, uh, which was a, f- a firm favourite of mine. Um, uh, although I, used, I watched that when it was quite quite young, and I remember the Ringo Starr uh, parody, uh, Caveman, as well. Um, so those, those two kind of get jumbled up in my head. It's an odd thing to say, but there's a very distinctive quality to the one million years BC <laughs> film. Less Beatles in it, for one thing. That, that's very true, that's true. Now, like skipping forward ahead to, you obviously your career is based in animation and it's your passion. Did you ever encounter Ray Harryhausen with relation to your work or just your general interest in animation in a wider context? Yeah, um, I, it's, it's quite a sad story actually. I, I um, came to uh, try and contact Ray um, in, uh, in 2013. I wrote to... Um, uh, somebody who was a, a good friend of Ray and said, would Ray be up for doing an interview with uh, Squiggly? And uh, unfortunately said that Ray's is quite old now um, and he's decided that uh, he doesn't want to do any more interviews. And uh, that was on the 20, uh, 29th of April 2013 and we all know what happened two weeks later, so um, it, was, it was very sad. Um, but... Uh, uh, you know, missed opportunity, but blimey, I mean, there's so many interviews and so many kind of uh, audio commentaries and, and you guys take care of such a, a magnificent collection of animation material. So what more could he have said in my interview? I, 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 tend, to, I tend to think. Did you have any particular question that you wanted to ask him that you'd never heard before or you thought that you might be able to put a unique spin on? I think I just wanted to bask in the glory mm. of Ray Harryhausen for a couple of a couple of minutes. I, th- I think it would. I think my questions would have been pretty much the same questions that anyone else has asked. I, it was early in my uh, sort of animation interviewing uh, days, um, so maybe a, uh, <laughs> a a close call for Ray's. He, he, he didn't miss out on much. <laughs> no, you obviously are working on a, a magazine which deals with very up-to-date animation techniques and you do a podcast, you very much have your finger on the pulse in terms of what's, what's happening in 2016 in the world of animation. Where do you think Ray Harryhausen's works fits in in the wider sphere, given that his last film was 35 years ago? And with us looking towards 2020 to celebrate Ray's centenary, how do you think he's remembered amongst current animators of our generation? That's a, that's a great question. Um, Whenever you see a, a new animated film, it's very rare that you can't pinpoint a, um, an influence. Uh, animation is a very kind of... Uh, everyone's got their heroes. There are very few figures that get into animation and, and can't uh, point to somebody, whether it be Harryhausen or Schwankmeyer or Nick Park or, or uh, just naming stop-motion animators there. There are obviously other, other, other disciplines as well. Without them... Mentioning those people and pointing at them and saying these are the guys that, that gave me the uh, you know the ideas to, to know that I could do this, um, I think that, that the influence of Ray Harryhausen is very much still felt today. Um, even if it's a, a five-year-old hiding behind the couch watching uh, Clash of the Titans and then growing up and wanting to be an animator, um, 
it's unquestionable that you'll always have uh, Ray as an influence uh, for animators uh, and the others. You, you, you can't just there's not nothing's nothing's original, nothing's unique. Everyone's influenced by uh, by the previous generation, really. And do you think that people using modern techniques have a strong sense of that history and that legacy? I mean, we're obviously at the Starburst Film Festival, and you know this kind of cult entertainment that Starburst magazine covers. The fans tend to have quite a strong sense of history. They tend to know a lot about what came before the things that they enjoyed mm. were created or what came before even they were born. Um, do you think that is the case with animators in general? That they have their, you know, that feeling of standing on the shoulders of those who came before them? There are, there are numerous things about, um, about the animation that, that, that Ray produced that um, people disregard at their peril. When you see a, uh, a Ray Harryhausen animation, uh, you see a creature, you, you can see it thinking, you can see it uh, moving, and, and if you look at that and think, oh, well, the graphics aren't very good, I, I can put this computer system together which has got all the textures and all the kind of... It's shiny, it's, it's, you know, it's got all the effects, all the bells and whistles... But if you, if you don't really understand uh, what the creature's thinking, if it's not believable, if it doesn't have that kind of tangible weight to it, that kind of believability, um, then you're not really going to succeed. And it doesn't matter how kind of primitive, I suppose, the, the, the work may look today, there are still some immense lessons that animators can learn from looking at Ray Harryhausen's work, and must learn, really. Don't disregard them as... As, as just terrible old, you know, in something from the past. You know, there are lessons that can be learned nowadays. I mean, this is a personal opinion, um, but the, uh, the latest um, Clash of the Titans, uh, the 2010, was it? Um, re- remake, I suppose, didn't have nearly as much weight to it as the, you know, Harryhausen produced and animated uh, classic. Um, simply because it, 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 it didn't have the, that magic to it, you know, the magic of believing the creatures. You know, it doesn't matter that I know that he's got a metal skeleton or if he's got a wireframe, if he's a wireframe mod- model, I have to believe that that's a creature that I'm looking at. Wonderful. And uh, just one last question. Could you tell us a little bit about your plans for the future, both with Squiggly Magazine and with the PhD that you mentioned? Uh, it all seems to be building towards something interesting. <laughs> Glad you think. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, yeah, Squiggly is going to continue to to, to grow. Uh, we've got plans that we're, we're we've not announced as of yet, um, but we're we're working towards continuing to to produce videos, uh, produce podcasts, um, and uh, interviews and, and 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 reviews with 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 everything. Um, the PhD, um, on the other hand, is is the big the big cloud above my head at the moment that needs that needs finishing. And when that's finished, I'm hoping to uh, be able to begin a proper discussion on on animation archives and animation archiving um, to get a, to get you know everyone with a collection, everyone with a. Uh, you know, because it's not just the big collections like the the, the Harryhausen collection with the, you know, fifty thousand plus materi- materials in there. It's people who who keep stuff in their drawers, people who used to work on on old TV shows but keep their stuff for themselves. It's about those people understanding and knowing that that production material that they hold and they have 
has a value above something nice to put on a wall. It it belongs to a, a moment in time. It, it, it's representative of technique. It's representative of of, uh, of of a production that you know needs celebrating, and, and people can learn from that. I mean, I'm sure you've got plenty that you can show in the next. Uh, well, hundreds of years with all the material that there is at the Ray Harryhausen collection, um, and uh, and it's the same with anyone with any other collection. You know, these aren't just nice things to go on the wall. These these are part of history. They need to be contextualised and celebrated. Well, that's what we plan on doing over the next few years as we lead up to Ray's centenary in 2020. Uh, Steve Henderson, thanks very much for chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. This would make a fine heroic poem, you know. Or perhaps a play. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I won't leave you out. <laughs> That's fantastic. So when's um, when's the Manchester Animation Festival? They have a date for that, I think, in November, Connor, is that right? The Manchester Animation Festival is taking place this November on the 15th, 16th and the 17th. And me and John will be making an appearance. We'll be doing something very special Stay tuned, we've got something up our sleeve which should be of interest to Ray Harryhausen fans everywhere. Special screening, presentation and perhaps even one or two of the original models from one of Ray's classic films. It's going to be very exciting and interesting and I think it's something which even even those who attended Starburst Festival will want to come and listen to and watch because we, we try and do something unique at every event we attend. Because Steve's so enthusiastic about animation in general and about Ray Harryhausen. We want to contribute something special to a three-day festival animation in Manchester. And just looking at their lineup, they've got some fantastic stuff going on. So so look at their website, which is manchesteranimationfestival.co.uk for more information. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be terrific. I was really excited. It was a good mix because, as we talked earlier, Starburst magazine has its um, its history in um, its heritage in television, sci-fi television, as much as cinema and radio and books and and toys and magazines and so on. So inside number nine were there. So people who follow Doctor Who and the League of Gentlemen will know who we're talking about. Um, Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, who are the the creative force behind what I suppose is a modern day tales of the unexpected. Um, or armchair theatre for people who remember that from the 70s and early 80s and they had a premiere of a very special episode of Inside Number 9 for the next series but I caught up with the producer Adam Tandy who um, as a younger man worked with um, another equally famous special effects legend and told us a bit about the behind the scenes on, uh, on a couple of iconic films so have a listen, this is Adam Tandy at the Starburst Film Festival Hello, I'm Adam Tandy. I'm a television producer. Excellent. And what, what television have you produced, Adam? Um, I have recently produced three series of Inside Number Nine, and a series called Detectorists, and a series called The Thick of It, and a film called The Crickwood Greats, and some other things as well. Going back to Peter Capaldi, of course, Crickwood Greats. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Now, you were just telling me a bit earlier on that you have a connection to the a very iconic model maker and model builder and special effects icon. Tell me a bit about that. Yes. So, um, my brother managed to get himself a job at some point in his career, his long career as, as an assistant director. He ended up working for Derek Meddings, and uh, he was the assistant director on a lot of Derek's 
miniatures units for feature films and television going back through to, for, to the 70s right the way through to the 80s. And um, when I was a, a nipper, I got a bit of holiday um, pocket money working as a, uh, an un, well, more or less unpaid runner, but a T-boy, really, on the set of Superman and Moonraker, working, working alongside all of those amazing people like Derek Meddings and his team. And, of course, Derek won an Academy Award for his work on Superman the movie. Yes, that's right, yes. And I was, I was there when they were shooting the, uh, the starship flying all the way to Earth in these enormous stages with these incredibly slow tracking shots with all of this incredibly super black velvet all around them. And I seem to remember coming in with a tray of teas against the red on one occasion and being shouted at a lot by the DOP because I'd ruined their shot. There are some people who would actually say he owes his success to you. Is it? Well, perhaps. <laughs> Certainly I gave him tea a couple of times. And of course on Moonraker, Derek famously backwound the film several times over to get repeat exposures without degrading the shots. That's right, there were a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of very carefully drawn maps that were, were done in camera, because obviously it wasn't done with computer compositing, it was all done in camera, and rewinding the film and exposing it again. I remember we, we shot a test of um, people walking around the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the shuttle launch hangar, I guess that's what you call it, um, and we all had to walk, walk very slowly in order to match the undercranking of the camera. Um, and I think in the end, they, as you said, they, they wound the film backwards for some certain sequences, so we actually had to walk backwards when we were shooting the tests, just to make, see whether it would work. How fabulous. Well, thanks very much for taking time to speak to us today. All right, sure. Pleasure. That's incredible. What I wouldn't have done to have been a T-boy and worked with Derek Meddings and just watched some of that incredible work because when you look at Superman the movie now and you look at Moonraker, both of those films still look spectacular. And, you know, in a way, Derek Meddings worked in a similar scale to Ray Harryhausen in that he used practical models, he used photochemical um, film stock, he was backwinding in the camera. So doing lots of things that, that Ray would do. And, of course, the uh, the two gents themselves met on screen in John Landis's film Spies Like Us when they were in that tent playing doctors. Fascinating, isn't it, Connor, how you can bump into someone at a film festival, they've come for an episode of a, you know, of a, of a, of a high-profile and successful sort of comedy drama, and they have these, um, these links to the um, cinema of the past. Yes, I mean, I was very excited about the new episode of Inside Number 9, I'm a big fan of everything that Steve Pemberton and Rhys Schmeersmith have done. But when we got chatting to, to Adam Tandy about his childhood, really, or his, his days as a younger man working on these classic films, I must say your face was filled with envy. It was really interesting to hear somebody who you might not necessarily expect to have been involved with these classic model animation movies. So that was a, a really fantastic and slightly unexpected interview to get and I'm really glad that we were able to, to catch up with Adam and listen to his tales of, of being on the set of Moonraker. How, how exciting. And um, we'll finish off today. Our final interview is with Justin Johnson who played a key part in the Starburst Film Festival as he was the person undertaking a lot of the on-stage introductions and Q&A sessions. Justin is a friend of the Foundation. He's someone that you know very well, John. And he's also somebody that knew Ray, too, um, as you'll hear in the interview. How, how did you feel about uh, having, having Justin there alongside us at the Starburst Film Festival? 
Well, it was great. Justin is very much sort of a deal maker. He's the sort of person who brings people together. And in the case of Starburst, Justin is, 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 if you like, the key contributor or the main host of Starburst for that weekend. So he hosted the Inside Number 9 event, which was a world premiere of, of one of the new episodes. And of course, he hosted our Ray Harryhausen event. And it was through Justin we were invited to appear at Starburst. So you know, we have a lot to, to thank Justin for. He's one of the senior programmers at the British Film Institute, the BFI. And he was a great friend of Ray Harryhausen's as well. So incredibly small worlds all of us film types move in. Justin was key to getting us there. He was also key to that Adam Tandy interview because Adam was chatting to uh, Justin about Derek Meddings and, and Justin said, oh, I know just the person who'd want to chat to you about that. And we happened to be just walking past. So it's, um, it's great to catch up with Justin. And we hope to sit down more with Justin Johnson in future podcasts to hear his, his memories of Ray Harryhausen. But this is what he had to say uh, to us about Starburst. It's another gift from the gods. So I'm with BFI programmer and one of the hosts of the inaugural Starburst Film Festival and great friend of the foundation of Ray Harryhausen, Justin Johnson. Justin, hello. Hello, John. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And that's quite a build-up I've given you there. But, of course, um, we'll talk about Starburst in, in a minute. But you actually had quite a long friendship and relationship with Ray Harryhausen, didn't you? How did that start? I certainly knew Ray over a number of years. Um, I think the first time was um, very early on when I was first working at BFI South Bank, back when it was probably still the National Film Theatre. Um, Ray uh, kindly agreed to do a really lovely kind of hands-on workshop with uh, you know, like youngsters and families. And, uh, and he was really fantastic, you know, as you know. And uh, he loved, you know, sort of explaining to people about how his creatures came about and how he worked with them. And, um, you know, I remember there being a massive gasp in the room when he came out with one of the skeletons from Jason the Argonauts. And you saw those massive, amazing hands that Ray had. And, but actually, when he was working with the skeletons and they were so intricate and beautifully made, you almost couldn't believe the same person could have made them. And... With him, they just kind of came alive. Just with these little models, he would manipulate them and move them as he was talking to you. And you really felt as if they were living and breathing. And I think that's the, one of the most exciting things about Ray's work compared to what we're so used to seeing now in terms of computers and so forth, was that they really had life, those creatures. You really felt as if there was, you know, his heart and soul was in them, and they always looked so amazing. So, and at, and at the, uh, the workshop was um, a young uh, animation director, Mike Johnson, who had uh, worked on The Nightmare Before Christmas, and he at that time was in London because he was directing The Corpse Bride. And uh, and I remember, um, you know, he was so excited to meet Ray and he invited Ray to go to the set and to see what they were doing at the Corpse Bride, which, of course, probably would never have happened if it hadn't been for Ray and his legacy. Now, the interesting thing, Starburst, in a way, ties all this together, doesn't it? Because when I was at school, I remember saving my dinner money to buy Starburst magazine. And it was really the only science fiction and film magazine published in the UK that, that covered Doctor Who, Star Trek, Ray Harryhausen, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactic, all these lovely films. There was American publications such as Starlog and Fangoria, but Starburst had a real sort of Brit feel about it. And, and did you buy the magazine when, when you were sort of at school? When you were I, didn't, I didn't buy it religiously. I certainly dipped into it. I certainly bought it on the odd occasion. Probably, to be honest, you know, if the cover was of something that I particularly liked or, or a film I particularly wanted to go and see... Um, but you know, it's, it's always been one of those kind of you know resources for people who really like cult film because it's not just horror, it's not just sci-fi, it's not just fantasy. You know, it's a bit of a combination of all of those things. Um, and I certainly used to love those when I was growing up as, as much as I do now. 
And of course, Starburst magazine <coughs> was around in a time when there was no internet. So a lot of magazines were quite studio-controlled in the sense that the, the photographs and a lot of the narrative, a lot of the copy, as the Americans like to call it, is it kind of studio-approved and signed off. And even Ray Harryhausen, when we look back at previous issues of magazines that Ray's appeared in, quite guarded, really, about the secrets, about the creatures, and even the photography. It's only kind of the front-of-house sets that often appeared in the magazine. So, you know, fast-forwarding all these years later, all the kind of secrets are, are kind of laid bare. And you kind of miss those halcyon days when we were only teased slightly about what was the what was the secrets and the magic. Well, as you say, I mean, I think we take so much for granted now in terms of what the internet provides, because actually, at the click of a mouse, you can find out so much information about people's backgrounds and personal life. How yeah, you, know, you can completely demystify the filmmaking process. And as you say, at that time, apart from you know a few reference books, um, actually, you know, magazines and newspapers were. You know, it's where we got our news, it's where we discovered stuff and if you were a big fan of cult film and TV then Starburst was the place that you'd go to go and learn about those sort of secrets and now as I say you know, we do take everything for granted because there's so much information available but actually it was just those little windows in the outside world especially if you lived in like a small town or a village where you know, it's not like you know, in London where you could go to the film shops and there were so many different sort of memorabilia um, outlets and so forth but actually that was, you know, Starburst and those kind of magazines were you know the kind of um, the link between you know the outside world and, and a lot of uh, a lot of fans. So of course, thrilling for us at the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation to be invited to the inaugural, which means first, uh, Starburst Film Festival, which um, which was in Manchester last month, and we're kind of catching up now, a month later. And um, so, how do you feel it went? Because you you came and saw the presentation. In fact, you hosted a couple of the very major events there. Um, ours was just one of them. Um, how did you feel it went? I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with how it went, and I was really delighted that the um, Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation came and, and you know and were part of it. You know, when we first talked about it some months before the festival itself, um, from my point of view, it was really important to try and get you know to try and get you involved because actually Ray's work is so crucial in terms of that kind of Starburst brand and what everything that sort of Starburst stands for, and it's so important to. You know, remember and recognise you know, what Ray um, contributed to the industry because it's not just about the films that he made it's also about all those filmmakers who were inspired by him you know, people like Peter Jackson who as a child was making films directly inspired by Ray Harryhausen who you know, remember when we had the, um, the event at the BFI you know, for Ray's 90th birthday uh, Peter Jackson flew over especially from New Zealand just to be there at the birthday celebration so that he could be there and pay tribute to Ray in person and you know obviously it was hosted by John Landis and we had you know, Rick Baker and all these other the greats. So I think that you know Ray is such an important part of everything that Starburst stands for in a sense. Um, and uh, as I say, both as a sort of pioneer in terms of uh, dynamation and what he did, um, but also in terms of you know how inspirational he was. Now, of course, you're a big Ray Harryhausen fan. It'd be fair to call you a fanboy, much as I am myself and lots of people who attended. W- was there anything about the presentation that the Foundation did that you thought, oh, hang on, I didn't know that? You know, was there any bits and pieces of the story that you felt that, um, you know, had you, been, had you not been there, you would have missed something? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think the most, um, most exciting part about the presentation at Starburst and in terms of what, um, what, what you and Connor did was, um, was when you were talking about the, sort of the lost treasures, when it was about the films that Ray had started to work on. There were obviously quite a few 
that were for various reasons never completed, right up to um, you know, the sort of you know, the direct sequel to the Clash of Titans, which was it Force of the Trojans. So you know, seeing uh, you know the, like the model of Baron Munchausen in person, the models from the War of the Worlds, seeing some of that test footage, uh, one of which um, you know Ray himself was part of. Um, I mean, I think that, you know that, that that's kind of material that you know is completely you know unique, and certainly I hadn't seen before and. Um, I think one of the exciting things about what the foundation is doing is that it was so great that Ray seemed to never throw anything away. You know, he had he had that amazing house where you'd go up to the very very top of uh, on the very very top floor, and there was his study there with a the little room where he made all the models and there would be the armatures everywhere. And then obviously there was the the, the garage in LA. But when they cleared that out, they found all these casts and other. You know, so there's a huge amount of material. I mean, how, how much is in the foundation now? How many items are there? And um, we estimate there's fifty thousand items from all sorts of paraphernalia from between sort of memos, photos, artwork, sculptures, models, posters, bronzes. So there's a real gamut of mixed media, but around 50,000 items. I mean, that's an amazing it, resource, it isn't is. it? And, yeah. and, and the fact that that material is, is, is being you know, collected together, it's not been split up, it's all in one place. Um, and, the, you know, in time, as digitisation continues and, and the work continues, that more of it's going to be available. You know, it's very exciting. It's exactly what Ray wanted, isn't it? It is, you know, and when we think about retrospectives that happen, you know, here at the BFI where established filmmakers come back and talk about their works from previous years, I think the fascinating thing about Ray Harryhausen's work, of course, is that yes, there's a retrospective to be had and there's a look back to how things were done, but fascinatingly, these things are coming back, aren't they? Stop motion is coming back, the photochemical film world is coming back, and even vinyl records are coming back. So Ray is perhaps becoming relevant again. Well, yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, London is such a kind of heart of stop motion animation Corpus Bride was made here um, uh, Paranorm- not Paranormal so that was in Leica in, in Portland in Oregon um, sorry a three mill studio um, there was uh, the Corpse Bride uh, Frank and Weenie uh, fantastic Mr Fox Wes Anderson himself is making another stop motion film right now so between here Bristol with Ardman and then Leica in Portland who made Paranorman Coraline and the new Cuba and the Two Strings um, those are the three real kind of hubs for stop motion animation and Ray himself although he was an American obviously lived in London for many decades and you know, he based himself here so London is absolutely kind of a, a stop motion hub if you like and we were thrilled, of course, that we were in Manchester and there was lots of other events. There was the brilliant team from Inside Number 9 with a very, very special screening of one of their episodes. So we kind of thought, oh, would people come and see us? You know, would we be a bit sidelined? But we were thrilled. We, we had virtually um, full attendance. Were you surprised that so many people came along to see us? You know, I, I wasn't. I, I, I knew that um, you know, Ray, Ray's work is a big draw. It's interesting because even though um, a lot of the films that he was directly associated with um, went directly directed by him in terms of the actual overall film. I think a lot of people still think he probably was, and they still think of those films as being Ray Harryhausen films, probably more so than they do perhaps um, with some of the, you know, the named directors who made the Sinbad films and um, One Million Years BC and so forth. So, um, so I wasn't surprised because he is a big draw, and the fact that it was an opportunity to, you know, to actually sort of in Manchester, which you know, so much, so much stuff is done London-based. Have the opportunity to go somewhere a bit more sort of in the regions to actually see the models close up with experts, and then of course having the amazing guests Caroline Munro and Martin Beswick as well, both of whom were in Ray's films as well as being in Bond films and Hammer films. I mean, they were the kind of like ultimate kind of starburst guests as well. So, um, so to be truthful, I always thought it would do really well, and it was so great that it was so well attended and really, really well thought of as well. And I did my own little presentation, Ray Harryhausen and me, and my little film school student shorts as well. What did you think? 
Um, it was really great to see it because um, obviously I've, I've known you, John, for a number of years, and I haven't seen it on a big screen. And actually, much as I like to, you know, joke about, um, you know, what a, what a self-publicist you can be, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. And I know this isn't going to make it into the final edit. Um, actually, the film really stands up very well, and, I, and and it's really fascinating to see you and Ray at a very young age because obviously you were just a film student at that time. Um, and actually, the film was really well received. I'll finish off finally by asking you, interestingly, your work here as a BFI programmer involves lots of family films and sometimes what used to be called children's films. And if we think back to Ray's legacy, his films in the 60s and 70s would certainly by the studios have been regarded as half-term fare. That means films that children would go and see alongside perhaps the Aristocats or other big Disney fare. But now, of course, they're no longer considered children's films. They, they have a different status, don't they? Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I mean you're right. I mean, certainly, like, you know, the Sinbad films, absolutely typical. I mean, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, I remember coming out as a child, and it was absolutely considered, um, you know, a kid's film, very much kind of, you know, sort of family fair, as you say, very much sort of one to go and see in the holidays. Um, but actually, over time, you know, because they are beautiful examples of stop-motion animation, um, they've got really interesting casts, and actually, I mean, the, the, they're really good films at the end of the day. Um, I have a lot of affection for those films, a huge amount of affection for the original Clash of the Titans. Um, it was, you know, such a such a terrible thing that that film was kind of remade in the way that it was with that dreadful 3D. Um, although I suppose, if anything, that kind of strengthens the fact that the first one was so good because it was at a time when everything was changing. It's absolutely... You know, those, those films, particularly sort of late 70s, early 80s, well, you know, obviously Clash of the Titans 81, that was at the point where everything was about to change, wasn't it? It was the very start of special effects, you know, Star Wars and so forth, beyond. Um, so, in, in a way, I suppose the computer, you know, and digital revolution at that point was sort of inevitable. And it's such a shame, actually, that those later films weren't made and that that was the point where Ray kind of decided not to move on because I think, actually, he probably still had a good few films left in him and they would have been great. Well, as you mentioned those films, we had three anniversaries for this year. We've talked a lot about those in the podcast. Interestingly, next year is the 40th anniversary of Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. So hopefully, perhaps if, if there's a good wind in our sails, we might be back here at the BFI with a very special presentation. You never know. Brilliant. Justin Johnson, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's nearly it for our special Starburst episode, but we made a couple of promises early on, didn't we, Connor, that we now have to make good on? Yes, we've got some exclusive and very interesting commentary footage with two of the stars of this episode, alongside Ray Harryhausen himself. The special commentaries which were recorded for The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and One Million Years BC have have never been released, but we've got some snippets here of Caroline reminiscing with Ray about her filming of the 1974 classic, and Martin Beswick discussing some of her memories of, of being a cave girl in One Million Years BC, and it's always interesting to hear Martin talk about her time on the set. It sounded like it could have been hard work, but they had a fantastic time in Lanzarote filming One Million Years BC, a film which turns 50 years old this year, unbelievably. See the sorcerer of the black arts, the gold helmet faceless vizier, the death fight of the centaur on the griffin, the six-armed goddess of evil. I know I wasn't wanted in the beginning, though, I know that, because I think they wanted quite a big, Charles wanted somebody quite well-known, and I hadn't really done a lot. 
I didn't know that. What, no, what, no, you no, must no. have gone through the casting office. I did, I did. I went yeah. through, yeah, I did a read-through. And then it was Brian Clements um, who said, I, he just worked with me on Cronus, Hammer ah, Film, and he said, come and see it. So then he you, went, but I'd also done Captain Cronus, and yes. that was... You did the Cronus before? I did it bit before. Oh, yeah. But so, it was released afterwards, I thought. Yes, it was released yeah. after. You're right, that's good knowledge. Dupondi the Wild One whom no man could resist. No, we all had wigs, that, all of us. Uh, why didn't they come off when you were pulling them? Uh, it was firmly... <laughs> they glued on. Way before, way before extensions. No, actually, it was really amazing because, I mean, that, that whole period, there were wigs for, in every film. And we had pieces, we had ponytails, we had false... Fr- I mean, I used to have, a, you know, a box that would carry around, that I would add. It was a, it was a wardrobe. Well, interestingly, here we go. Yes. When there have been not many ladies pulling each other's hair out. No, I'd already done uh, From Russia With Love. And so I was now termed Battling Beswick. <laughs> Is that it again? <laughs> uh, Look like you headline. really mean it. <laughs> well, it's oh. interesting because what happened was that they brought these doubles onto the set and we're sitting on our chairs and we're not happy about it. And we're sitting there and they bring these doubles on and they ha- don't look anything like us. In fact, they're quite heavy, fat people. <laughs> and the two of us just looked at each other and went, oh, no. Oh. And we said, we can do it. We did, because the thing is that both of us dance. Both of us are dancers. And so we just knew that we could do it. And this is when we absolutely, totally agreed and went for it. Oh, and yeah. it was a really good fight. One million years B.C., when the earth parted and the mountains fell. It's great to hear those thoughts. And in the case of One Million Years, as you were saying, it's 50th anniversary, there's a Blu-ray release coming out. Absolutely, a Blu-ray. Who would have thought? So that's coming out by Studio Canal later this year. And Connor's been working with Studio Canal in providing some very exclusive additional bonus content for that Blu-ray. We hope to bring you more information about that uh, on the next podcast. But um, what's happening next, Connor? We've we've got a, uh, a double festival kind of podcast coming up, haven't we? That's right, because as well as the Starburst Film Festival, you know, there was there was very little break in between. We were whisked straight off to the Cinestrange Festival in Germany. And while we were there, of course, we had our little mobile recording unit. We grabbed as many interviews as we could with fans, friends and special guests at the Cinestrange at the Cinestrange Festival as well. So stay tuned for episode ten. It's going to be very similar to this one but with some fantastic guests and some people that, in all honesty, we, we probably would have found it difficult to catch up with had we not attended the festival in Germany. So it was really great to be able to catch those interviews too, and they'll be very interesting. So keep an eye out for our next episode, episode 10 of the Ray Harryhausen podcast. Copyrights in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2016. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in parts without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts are not necessarily reflective of those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. 
For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Twitter and Facebook links.